Welcome to the show, everyone. A special crossover episode of Locked On Coyotes and Locked On Blackhawks. I want to thank everyone for making these shows your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I am Robin Leonia, joined by Carl Pavlak, my co-host of Locked On Coyotes, and Jack Bushman of Locked On Blackhawks. On today's show, for a great conversation, we're doing a little retrospective on today's show, as well as just a, t- a little tankathon because both these teams are predicted <laughs> to be the bottom. But let's get the let's get going first. Uh, Jack, how you doing? How was your weekend? Uh, it was fantastic. I just got back from a lovely trip out to South Carolina, spent some good time with uh, my girlfriend's family. It was, it was really fun to be out there and see the East Coast for the first time. I, I kind of um, didn't expect South Carolina to be the way it was. Not that I don't really know how I thought it was going to be in my mind, but I didn't think it was going to be surrounded with beautiful forests. The mountains are super cool to drive through. Went on an awesome lake, went boating for a day. So it, it was a lovely Lovely, much-needed week away because the Blackhawks and their news has been chaos the past three weeks. So it was nice to get away for a couple of days for sure. How, how was uh, the weekend for you too? Unfortunately, uh, we couldn't get away to the mountains because, trust me, <laughs> I would love to escape uh, just the Coyotes' existence right now. But uh, th- that's not an option. Uh, although things are starting to, I guess, look up. Um, but, Yeah. Nice, fun, uh, fun monsoon weekend. Oh, yeah. I mean, that monsoon is helping us cool down. That's the nice thing. <laughs> it's like 110, and then like all of a sudden the rain comes, and it's like 60. Like, oh. Yeah, it, it is in the 90s at night now, which is just unheard of. Uh, it's not usually this hot at night, but it's, uh, it's nice to get some rain. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't even – 90s at night? I think like I was, when I was in South Carolina, it was like 78, and I'm like, ooh. A little warm out here. I couldn't even imagine, but dry heat, dry heat is a little different. It is. It's still hot though. It's oh, still no very no, hot. No, no doubt about it. Hundred and ten. That's absurd. Absolutely. But let's get let's let's get into the uh, the meat of this show as we um, w- want to talk a little bit of a retrospective because um, now approaching you know four years ago, if you looked it up, it was in November of 2018. The Coyotes and the Blackhawks made a made a trade. That sent, I believe, to Chicago, Dylan Strome and Brandon Perlini, and then coming from Chicago to Arizona, Nick Schmaltz. Um, obviously, Strome is now no longer a Blackhawk. So let's get things. Let, let's let's get into the conversation. And of course, Perlini no longer a Blackhawk. Although <laughs> that happened almost right away, right? Yeah, uh, he he wasn't around for long. I I was someone though. I was always screaming to give Brendan Perlini an opportunity. The Blackhawks never really, I I thought, gave him too fair of a shake. But to be fair, he went other places and it didn't really work out too well. So they probably saw something uh, that everyone else did too. But uh, yeah, Brendan Perlini kind of became an outlier in that trade. And it more so looked like a a one-for-one swap after about a year there. Yeah, that, that was very interesting because I think even at the time, like, Perlini didn't have much buzz in Arizona, so it was like one of those, eh, maybe he can revitalize his chances, and then I think afterwards he went to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but yeah, like he, he never really hit. Uh, he was always a guy, you know, one of the many Coyotes of that time who had a solid rookie season and then could not follow it up with any kind of success. Yeah, and 
He was an interesting player too, because I remember in Chicago, like he'd have opportunities and you could tell he could shoot the puck. He was one of those guys who had a strong shot, maybe not a great playmaker, but had a little bit of offensive game to him. Uh, But it was really interesting. One thing in particular, I remember about Brendan Perlini before he got dealt to the Detroit Red Wings was Mark Lazarus, longtime beat writer for the Blackhawks, wrote an article about how Brendan Perlini was not just like a a diehard, like eat, breathe, sleep hockey guy, like big soccer fan from, he has, um, from the UK, I believe, I think. Yep. Um, he, he just wasn't someone who lived and breathed hockey. Like it was just kind of something that he was really good at. Not to say that he didn't work on it or wasn't dedicated to his game or anything, but you know, especially at the highest level in the world, you kind of need to have that drive day in and day out to be the best. And he just kind of seemed like someone that not, it, it just wasn't his full on passion a hundred percent of the time. So that was kind of an interesting storyline that kind of surrounded Perlini, but yeah, he ended up getting traded to Detroit. Blackhawks actually did pretty good on that deal. Seeing where Perlini ended up, they got Alec Regula, who is a former third round pick defenseman of the Red Wings. He made his NHL debut last year for the Blackhawks, had a pretty good showing in 15 to 20 games at the end of the year, and then is probably going to be pushing to make the NHL roster later on in training camp this fall. So that was a, probably the best part of this trade for the Blackhawks uh, now that Dylan Strom, of course, is a member of the Washington Capitals. I just want to stop real quick. Uh, I cannot imagine how insanely talented you can be to make the NHL and not and like have hockey be like just kind of one of your side things, like one of many. Because, like you said, it requires so much dedication to do it full time. But to even make it, God, that that's just all the respect in the world. Uh, I could see why you know he, he didn't last too long, but goddamn, that's <laughs> impressive. Yeah, for sure. And I mean. Like I said, it's not like I'm like digging at his work ethic or anything. It's just some guys are different and that's not their lives all the time. So it was just a curious case to hear that about Perlini for sure. It is really funny, though, anytime I look at that trade, I always just think it's, you know, Strom and Schmaltz. And, then, and I just look, it's like, oh, that's right. Perlini was in that <laughs> trade, too. Yeah, you remember? Yeah, well, I mean, from the Coyotes' perspective, not long after we drafted UK player Liam Kirk, so we got like a new UK guy to just replace him. Like, uh, what's off is doing, man? <laughs> there is a substantial kind of UK Coyotes fandom, and they have drafted two UK players, and I think it it kind of works out. And Liam Kirk is like got a lot of buzz around him now, so like I think almost as much as Perlini had because. Even though it was a first round, he was late, and people didn't really seem to give too much credence to him, but people like Liam Kirk, so I don't know. They got a good guy in the UK. There's also just a hype around seventh round of player, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to love the buzz that those seventh round picks get for no reason. You're like, hey, we might be something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he could do a thing, and it was seventh round, so why not? <laughs> He's out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The Absolutely. sixth round guy is not doing it. The seventh round guy is. So clearly the seventh round is the next Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> right. I mean, seventh rounders have made great NHLers every now and then. Doesn't happen all the time, but they do. Some, yeah. some superstars even come out of the seventh round. Pavel Datsuk, right? Pavel Datsuk, seventh rounder? I, I believe I've, so. Datsuk was. Uh, I know Joe Pavelski was. Um, 
So Liam Kirk's the next Joe Pavelski. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first on Lockdown Coyotes. <laughs> I love it. He's not going to change teams as many times, though. He's going to be Coyote oh. for life. Good, good. Absolutely love it. In a little bit, though, we're actually going to go a little more in depth on the, uh, obviously, that most important part, the Strom, the, the Strom and Schmaltz part. We do have to get to that, but first, I do want to let everyone know about our sponsors at Bet Online. Because BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your sports betting needs, find all the favorite sports and events, and number one's online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trend and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Jack. Now let's get into that more that 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 that, that whole beefy part because, um, like you said, Strom is no is is now a member of the of the Washington Capitals, and I think when the news came that he was no he wasn't going to be tendered a, a qualifying offer by Chicago. I've I was getting ready to reach out to you to talk about this because like it's like we knew that the, we had we'd had to do a retrospective because Strom in the situation that he's in. And Schmaltz in a unique situation because, like, I'm not sure if it's maybe just the way he plays or it's just the fact that, like, he's just highlighting a terrible team right now. Yeah, it's 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 tough to gauge for sure. But and that's that's honestly the case for Dylan Strom too. It seems like NHL GMs they don't know how to gauge Dylan Strom, and it's really made for this weird back and forth over the last year with the Blackhawks leading up to him not getting that qualifying offer because heading into this season, there was a lot of rumors around Strom's name and it felt decently likely that the Blackhawks were going to move on to him, especially when Stan Bowman was here. Those rumors were kind of more prominent. Um, And then, you know, the season started as an absolute nightmare on and off the ice. Uh, Dylan Strome, what was kind of in the thick of it in Jeremy Colleton's doghouse, scratched seven of the first 11 games for some godforsaken reason. He ends up getting fired. And then second half of the year comes around and Dylan Strome cemented himself on the top line in between Patrick Kane and Alex Debrink. And they really carried the Blackhawks offense night in and night out. I mean, without those three Blackhawks games would have been unbearable. And Strome, by the end of the year, really strong season and by far the Blackhawks best center this year. And then comes all the drama this off season where even though he put up pretty good numbers in a respectable line, you know, didn't get that qualifying offer. The Blackhawks wanted to go in a different direction. The Alex DeBrinket trade really was the final stone. I mean, if you're trading a 24 year old two time 40 goal scorer, you're not going to tender Dylan Strome. That's just the direction the franchise was heading in. But I, I think it's really sad. And I know a ton of Blackhawks fans aren't happy with this situation. And while I get what the what Kyle Davidson is doing as the new general manager, he's really just wanting to start fresh. And if you're not a 18, 19, 20-year-old prospect, it's kind of tough to see where you're going to fit in on our roster right now unless you have a full no-movement clause like Taze and Kane. So Dylan Strome just kind of, Got the short end of the stick, not just this summer, but really the last year and a half with the Blackhawks. And it's frustrating because 
a lot of us fans, when he was getting scratched early on in the year, we were screaming from the heavens, play Dylan Strome, play Dylan Strome, give him a legit opportunity. He finally starts working his way into the lineup. He's still kind of playing bottom six minutes, which we know isn't a spot where he can have success. He finally gets that opportunity we're screaming for. He thrives. And now he's gone. So it's kind of just like, what the heck? You know, there was no winning for this guy. So I feel for Dylan Strome because he did basically everything he could have, I felt like, in Chicago and, you know, still isn't part of the future plans. And it's upsetting. And, um, <laughs> I mean, the Blackhawks, how they're going to be the next few years, it's going to it's gonna be even tougher to watch. Uh, so I get the direction they're heading, but it's it's frustrating to see Dylan Strome capitalize on his opportunity and not get rewarded for it with this team. Carl, does some of that sound familiar to you? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that, that sounds like – not only something I've heard from Coyotes fans whenever Dylan Strome was involved, but also just like people I know who like the Blackhawks uh, since Dylan Strome has been involved. Like there's always been this like people don't know how to utilize him or what to think of him. Uh, I always attribute attribute that to him being the third overall pick and he has expectations. And when he doesn't live up to what people think he should be, like, it doesn't matter how good he's doing. Everyone thinks they should be one level more, like, and they get frustrated with him. But uh, it, it, it's crazy that that keeps happening. And, you know, like you said, it, it's understandable there's no real spot for him in the Blackhawks' immediate future. Do you think that maybe, like, the team missed out by not, like, trading away his rights or, like, doing, like, a sign-in trade? Like, you know, we just saw Calgary do or – or something because it feels like just letting him go for nothing is the ultimate insult for, for sure. And this is the weirdest part about the Dylan Strom saga here too, because NHL GMs, according to a couple of Blackhawks beat writers, the, the Hawks were really trying to trade Dylan Strom. They were really trying to do it, but apparently, you know, I don't know how strong this word is or anything, but apparently the Blackhawks were only getting offered about a six round pick for Dylan Strom's, are Dylan Strom's restricted free agent rights. And on that contract, he was owed $3.6 million. He had to be tendered that at least $3.6 million on his qualifying offer. And nobody wanted that. Nobody wanted to do that. Apparently all the Blackhawks were getting was a six round pick. And then he hits the open market and Washington goes and gives him a one year, $3.5 million contract. So it's kind of like either Washington was the only ones who were really in on Strom and they potentially overpaid him. But there apparently was chatter. Like we heard Elliot Friedman tweet out saying a lot of teams were interested in Dylan Strom. And it was like, where was this the last four months? You know, maybe they just would rather take their chances on the open market and say, hey, hopefully this guy will sign with us rather than we give up something for him. But it really just made for this weird ending because he, he, ended up signing for $100,000 less than what he would have gotten on his qualifying offer if a team just traded that. So it, it was really weird at the end. Um, but again, this goes back to what I was saying before, where NHL GMs are kind of having this hard time of gauging Dylan Strome. And I think, Carl, you made a great point. The number three overall pick around Dylan Strome's name, I think has completely changed how people around the NHL view him. And this was a really interesting tweet that Ben Pope from the Chicago Sun-Times, a beat writer, put out just a couple of days ago. 
Dylan Strome, in his last 245 games, four years worth of games, he has 160 points. Got one year's three one year $3.5 million from the Capitals. Vincent Trocek, in his last 245 games, has 166 points. Six more points than Strome. He got a seven-year $39 million contract. Wow. What am I missing? Dylan Strome's the younger player by four years. What am I missing here? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Uh I, I do want to say I looked it up um, because the Coyotes, I think the big uh, time when they acquired someone's rights, um, other than the two recent uh, NCAA players, uh, when they acquired the rights for Alex Golgoski, it was for a fifth round pick. So like a sixth for Dylan Strome just seems, yeah, it, it seems low. But I mean, honestly, like if you're the Blackhawks, why not take it? Like. Why not just have a sixth round pick and be like, hey, we're not going to resign him. We know we're not going to resign him. So we're getting something out of it because it feels like just getting nothing. It's yes. Yeah, for sure. And that's not the first Blackhawk, former Blackhawk now that the Blackhawks have let walk for free. They just let that happen with a couple of other guys as well. And um, a few in in last year's free agency class too. And it's really frustrating when that situation happens. And yeah, there were a lot of fans saying, hey, why not? get the six round pick. My only thing that I could think of is that Kyle Davidson didn't want to budge as a new general manager. He maybe didn't want to look weak and accept an offer that he wasn't a hundred percent wanting to do that. That's the only thing that I could possibly think of unless that like at least get a six round pick. Like we were talking about earlier, it, it can happen. Doesn't happen often, but it can happen. And that's the name of the game for the Blackhawks right now is acquiring future assets. So yeah, that one was a little bit of a, a brain twister as well. The whole Dylan Strom saga is, let me tell you too. <laughs> Although I will say now that you mention it, like if the Blackhawks are starting a rebuild, you're a new GM, you don't want to look like you can be pushed around. So yeah. I, I can see that like math going and be like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take a hit this time. We're gonna not get as a return when we could. But hopefully we don't get screwed over two more deals from now. I, that makes sense. That that's literally the only thing that I can think of, Carl. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely wanted to ask you too about Dylan Strom, who four years ago, as we were talking about before recording, seems like eight years ago because of everything that's happened. Yeah. Uh, but one once upon a time. Nick Schmaltz was a fan favorite here in Chicago. And then uh, as Stan Bowman liked to do there at the end of his tenure, just said, Hey, you're playing well with Patrick Kane. Sorry. Got to send you out of town. Can't be having that. So please give all my listeners out there an update on Nick Schmaltz because he's coming off a a really strong season, probably at least from afar, I'd say his best as a coyote. Uh, Do you want to go first, Robin? Yeah. um, I, you know, like I really like Nick Schmaltz. He's really coming to his own as a member of the Coyotes. Um, I have to say, like you know, you know, he's kind of become now that you know that leader. Like I think it's unfortunate the fact that so for the longest time he was kind of put as the one C, which a lot of people were just like Schmaltz is your one C. Yeah. <laughs> but like he's been like, he's been great, especially when playing alongside Clayton Keller. Like those two players. And I know Carl will probably back me up on this. Like they like are like the life and blood of this team right now. <laughs> yeah. Schmaltz and Keller play so well together. It's insane to watch. It's like they were made to play with each other. Um, and 
it was great to see like this past year Keller got hurt for the first time in his career like missed a game and I think four seasons uh if i remember that correctly um but schmaltz continued to be like a force on the ice he is exactly what the the coyotes fans kind of needed to be um he did get a bit of heat uh john shaka signed him to a long-term deal and you know he wasn't playing well for the past couple years Although, let's be fair, no one was playing well the last couple of years of Rick Tockett, uh, Coyotes. So uh, I was never really sure how much to put on him. But, you know, in his first year under a new coach, you know, with Clayton Keller, both of them older and stronger, they're like a phenomenal duo. Well, one thing I wanted to ask for sure about Schmaltz, too, was, and I think this was one of the factors that played into him ultimately getting traded by the Hawks, was he was always pass first playmaker and when he was playing with Patrick Kane Kaner's the setup guy like he's trying to find you in the slot for an open shot and it always seemed like Nick Schmaltz was a little passive with the puck on his stick and was would rather set up his teammates than score a goal of his own but I saw he he netted 23 goals in 63 games this year has that been an issue for him at all in Arizona and have you seen him pick it up at all or um, is he still kind of a, a pass first type of guy I'm curious as how he's kind of developed that all around game I mean, at this point, it, it was Schmaltz and Keller who were responsible for most of the Coyotes' goals, and they were on the same line. So he he got much better at being a little bit more selfish because he knew, like, yeah, it can't be Keller scoring like fifty goals. I'm gonna have to take twenty of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> put in perspective on this, you know, Schmaltz, you know, he, he only played sixty three games before, you know, because he, you know, he got his. You know, his season also shortened through an injury. And in that, he had the, his most goals of his career in 23. Like, that's already telling you something of, like, exactly where he is right now in, in play style, play style, being able to not being afraid to shoot a lot more. And again, and that goes with, you know, being alongside Clayton Keller. Like, those two are just so good. Like, and like that line in general, that, that top line or whatever line, whatever number line Andre Tourney wants to name him at, I mean... <laughs> They work so well together, and it and it and it, and it, and it showed. It, it should be noted the one knock against Nick Schmaltz's game is he has missed pretty substantial time due to injury, um, and that's definitely something where I think at this point we just kind of expect Schmaltz is going to miss at least twenty to thirty games a season. Yeah, that, that's tough, and he's always been a little bit of a smaller framed guy, um, so uh, I think that might have something to do with it as well. Uh, and he did get banged around a bit in Chicago early on in his career before he kind of learned how to dodge some of those hits and get himself out of trouble. So, yeah, that's definitely something that he's going to have to work on if he wants to you know, live up to those contract expectations that he got. Uh, one last thing I wanted to ask about Nick Schmaltz as well. Uh, I noticed this year um, by far the fewest amount of face-offs that he's taken since coming to the Coyotes. Did they did they move him around on the wing a decent amount? Because yeah, I, so he, he had so face-off problems line, in Chicago. Yeah, so that top line that he played alongside Keller, or maybe even top, like, like the line that got the most minutes. Yeah, top one, line. It doesn't make, it make a difference in, for the Tourney system, but um, they, they, they put him on the wing, and they tried, they tried out a few different centers. I think Barrett Hayton got a couple shots up there, but um, it was uh, Travis Boyd. Who got the who got most of the games at center? Yeah, that, right. Noted top line center, Travis Boyd. 
Yeah. Just what everybody wants as one C. All right. Uh, <laughs> it makes no sense, but it worked. <laughs> bit, of, uh, bit of foreshadowing for the next segment, but this is what you have to look forward to. Number one center, Travis Boyd. Uh, you will find your equivalent. <laughs> That's great. <laughs>